Hey guys, my name is Akshita. I'm a data analyst and a travel enthusiast. I'm Anand. I'm a finance bro and a tech geek. And you're listening to the Why Coordinate, the weekly podcast where we discuss the why behind human society and behavior. Lessons from pop culture and our own experiences to lead a more intentional, efficient, and happy life. Hi, Akshita. How's uh, your week been? Hey, Anag. Uh, it's been quite uh, tiring, I would say. There's been a lot of work going on. Even though I was at home, it's been tiring. Um, there was a lot of work going on, and then I was meeting quite a few people and. I'm so tired now. I'll, all I want to do is just curl up into bed and just stay there for the longest weekend ever. So yeah, I mean, that's uh, my week's been, I've met a lot of friends um, who ha- I haven't had a chance to meet in a long time. They are doing wonderful things in life. So it was nice to connect and see what everyone's doing. So yeah, what about you? How was your weekend? How was your week? <laughs> my week's been uh, pretty much the same uh, in terms of social interactions. It's been probably at zero uh, in again contrast to you but <laughs> thankfully uh, next weekend is not going to be like that I'm, I'm going to New Delhi and I'm going to meet all like uh, my friends there and and in fact future classmates as well so I'm quite psyched for that yay that's nice <laughs> and but I've also been like working on um, my startup and there's so much math to be done in like uh you know the the backend coding and all of that which i haven't really touched in a while so uh, it's been a very different kind of busy but anyways the mm-hmm. a very thinly veiled pivot to stem from that is <laughs> i'm really really psyched to introduce uh, the guest for today uh she's Catherine Riley she's a research associate at the University of Ottawa um she's involved in stem cell research and she's also an evangelist for stem education uh and now i'll give it to catherine to introduce herself uh thanks so much for the amazing introduction i'm catherine uh, as mentioned i'm a research associate at the university of ottawa i work in a research group that's kind of largely interested in kind of how the body works uh, we are a muscles, muscle skeletal research group, so trying to understand how kind of what happens to joints when they move, when they don't move, and kind of the role that stem cells can play in both a disease state and then maybe trying to cure some kind of arthritis-based in grandly is what I do when I'm paid. And then outside of that, I have a teeny tiny little startup that's looking to help increase the amount of diversity within uh, STEM. So STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, and we are trying to kind of get people to come into STEM that think a little differently, look a little differently, have different life experiences, because at the end of the day, that I think will make kind of science better and more meaningful and will produce, you know, actual results that can kind of change the world, not that they haven't, but can be more groundbreaking. And then uh, my background, I did my undergrad at Queen's University in Kingston in kind of genetics and molecular biology, and I have a master's degree in uh, muscle stem cell biology, and then I got my job and have been working there for about five years or so. Catherine, in a very quick nutshell. Quite, quite inspiring, quite encouraging, really, very honestly. <laughs> so we're, we're already very uh, floored, awed, and honored to have you on board with us today, Catherine. I swear, I think <laughs> Anand just perfectly captured it, <laughs> all yeah. the emotions right now. I was going to say, I'm honored to be asked, you two are both breathtakingly brilliant individuals and the fact that you're taking this kind of initiative on and asking these kind of questions is so very exciting and I cannot wait to listen to all of the episodes that you guys will produce because they will be exciting and interesting and will make me think which is really all I want to do in life. Thanks so much for that Catherine. Thank you. So um, so Catherine before we begin uh, I want to ask you to explain what stem cell research exactly is to me, if I was like a five-year-old, because so far my understanding of stem cell is restricted to science fiction movies where based off of that, basically I can use stem cell to make a clone army or you know, grow a limb. And, uh, and the other time I've been exposed to stem cell was when I was working for an investment bank and there was a Israeli startup that dealt, dealt with uh, stem cell research that was trying to come to the US for funding. And I, I didn't work on that deal, but a few coworkers of mine were working on it. And these are 
very brilliant men and women on the East Coast. I've never seen them frazzled by anything but this. It was so technical that their faces were flustered after every meeting. And then we didn't get the deal, but I had seen them celebrate the fact that they didn't get the deal because they would be so overwhelmed. So I have <laughs> immense respect for you to be doing this on a daily basis. And if you could uh, explain uh, what stem cell. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to try my best. And if you need anything else explained, please ask. Um, so when you think of the human body, mm-hmm. there are millions of different cells that have very that have unique functions so you have your skin cells that kind of act as a um, barrier you have your retinal cells that allow us to see and they all kind of do the same like each cell kind of has a fairly narrow scope of function and that's what allows us to be these unbelievably unique and creative and interesting species but we all started from basically five cells so you know, back in, you know, the, uh, you know, process of fertilization, sperm eats egg, and there's some divisions. And within that, there are cells that basically have the potential to become every single type of cell in the body. And that's the kind of the first major type of stem cell. And that is basically the cells at the very beginning that have that potential. And then as we become a little bit more complicated, shall we say, more than just five cells, uh, they be- the function becomes a little bit more specific and you can get what are known as um, adult stem cells. So those are stem cells that don't have the ability to turn into every type of cell in the body, but have the ability to become a small portion. So that would be something, so one of my stem cells of interest is what's known as the mesenchymal stem cell. Very long, fancy name. <laughs> As scientists, we like to give fancy names to things. And these cells can actually become bone, cartilage, and fat. So it can't become a eye cell, for example, but it, it has the ability to become those more specific types of cells that kind of have a more narrow function. And these cells live in our body all the time, and they're really important for uh, healing. So, you know, when you have a cut in your arm, stem cells are involved in kind of closing that wound and making sure that the skin is back and being its fully protective barrier in the beginning. And then we'll see in kind of some sort of, in some disease states that that, that healing ability decreases. And so that would be something like uh, uh, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. There's a belief that kind of patients who have that disease, their muscles stem cells don't quite regenerate the way that they could, they should. And then that's what leads to kind of the inability for the muscles to function and the wasting away and that sort of thing. And then you have the flip side where you have some forms of cancer where kind of the, the ability to grow lots and lots and lots and differentiate is turned on. And so stem cell biology is kind of on both sides. So you have some people that are interested in trying to harness that regenerative capabilities of stem cells. And that's where it gets into the growing limbs and that kind of stuff. Mm. And then you have the flip side of people trying to figure out how to turn it off in cancer states. So hopefully I did that justice. Yeah, I think um, you really did. hundred <laughs> percent, Catherine. I feel like if yeah. you were there as part of a team when you were working on that deal, <laughs> we would have probably nailed it. And, Killed it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So stemming from all this conversation about stem cell research. I like is, all the puns that you're making. Here, I <laughs> <laughs> is uh, the topic for today's discussion, which is the importance of STEM education in our lives, both as sort of compulsory education in, uh, say, middle school, and then maybe later on as a career uh, moving forward as well. Uh, because, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen those memes that are really popular these days where it's like, oh, I'm still waiting for the day where I'll use the Pythagorean theorem or the fact that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell to do my taxes. And, you know, we should have more life skills being taught rather than STEM education, which is useless. And I personally get really, really, you know, looking at these memes really grinds my gears. So like I, I'm excited about like today's topic and, you know, making a case for why it's for literally every single person on this earth to have some sort of STEM education. And to kick off this discussion, let's start because um, coincidentally, all three of us today have pursued a STEM education in some form or fashion for our undergrad and then uh, undergrad. Um, so let's let's start by talking about our experience with it 
and why we sort of fell into choosing something uh, in the field. Uh, let's start with Akshita. Would you want to start by talking about your experiences? Yeah, sure. So I think um, um, being in India, I don't know if this is a worldwide overall thing, but being in India, you generally have um, uh, two, this is a very cliche thing about India, but you have like two options, okay, while growing up, what do you want to do? Either you'll be a doctor or you'll be an engineer. And lucky for us, both of them are STEM um, originated. So I think by uh, by middle school, we all have a very, uh, most of the schools in India have a very generic structure of having math, science, chemistry, physics, biology in the syllabus itself at least till eighth grade, if I'm not wrong, Anak, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And then going forward in ninth, from the ninth grade and into your 11th and 12th grades, you can choose to take up commerce, take up arts, take up different subjects. Uh, I personally took up, uh, I wanted to do engineering going forward. So I took up my math and sciences as well. Um, I, I, I think it's important for So this is all the basics of life, right? Basically, science is nothing but the basic of life. And I think that to do anything going forward, it's very important to know. um, So there might be someone who argues saying that, okay, why is it important to know organic chemistry for going forward and doing engineering? So I've done computer science engineering. Why? How is organic chemistry or inorganic chemistry related to computer science? It's, It's not. But in a way, all of these different subjects, whether it comes to maths, um, technology, computer science itself is a part of technology. And this gives you a very overview, holistic view of how there are different aspects of any kind of profession, any kind of career, any kind of business that you work in. And I was glad that I chose this because, first of all, it's a very, very, very interesting field. The STEM education space is very interesting. It gave, it gives you an outlook to things you would not think of. If I had taken arts, I'd never understand uh, biology. And the way you just explained stem cell research and what exactly stem cells are, it was beautiful. I mean, if I had that back in my 10th grade, I'd probably be like, I want to take medical sciences now. (laughs) So yeah, uh, I mean, that's that's been my take on it. And then I went on and did my engineering in computer science and technology. And because I thought that... uh, this era right now is very focused into technology and uh, digitization. And I think it makes sense for you to at least understand how it's working across the world. If not, you wanted to contribute to it, at least understand why it's important around you and why it is the future. So that's my take on it. Anag, very well uh, for Takshita. And I'll, I'll probably go next and then we can have Catherine talk about her experiences. So uh, yeah, like you said, um, okay, let, let's, Take a, like in middle school, I really liked science and math for mainly the reason that I would get full marks in them with English and languages and history and all of these other subjects. Uh, no matter how much I wrote, there were all these essay type questions. I would always get inadequate and then they'd give me like three marks out of 10 for that question. Whereas with science and math, I knew if I got the answer right, Like if I was able to solve the problem, I will get full marks. So that was what initially drew me towards it. And there was a reason for that because science and math is fairly logical in like, you know, how you uh, go about it. Whereas with arts and languages, there's really no right answer. And that's kind of the logic all the teachers in high school also had that, you know, we can't give you full marks because there's no right answer and you can't have a perfect answer. And that was one thing that kind of, you know, made me get drawn towards uh, science and math. And then moving forward, I was always really, really obsessed with technology. My mom was a computer scientist who worked for the government um, at that time. And I was like, you know, we had this old DOS computer and I had this video game console and I was just, you know, obsessed with any and all forms of technology. And as I grew older, I realized, you know, if you use technology, life can be so much simpler, so much more efficient. And I was always looking for ways to kind of use technology, make things simpler. Uh, one of the examples of that very, very simple way, very uh, almost rudimentary was that my school had like a 
food festival uh, of sorts where you know people would set up stalls and around the school campus you'd make like these big stall plans of where all the stalls are and every year for the past 40 50 years they were doing it manually they'll get those big pieces of paper and use pencils and rulers and draw them out and and then this process had to be repeated every year from scratch and uh, i was in my 8th standard 8th grade at that point of time and i was like you know this can be digitized and you can just have your stall plans and then every year you can just you know replace what stall is in what position i and i did that and everybody really liked it and and that that got me really excited because that was the first time i was able to use technology at such a large scale and i was like my mom's a computer scientist and that's what i want to do and that's why i ended up taking i mean also the fact that what akshita mentioned that in india engineering um or medical science are like the two most sought after career choices and also you know going that route is like the thing in, i mean there's a saying that in india people first become an engineer and then they become whatever they want to become so <laughs> <laughs> so i mean all of that was there but again i also wanted like i was interested in technology and then and then between all the disciplines of engineering i chose computer science because i felt i had more autonomy in terms of me just me one guy with a laptop could actually create something as opposed to say electrical engineering or mechanical engineering where you need the entire village and lots of capital to actually come up with something uh, so that's why, kind of why i got into it but while i went through all of that you know education of 16 years of studying math and science in school and then four years of engineering uh what i've also realized it is that it's it's had a positive impact on my life in other facets of life because it's made my thought process so streamlined and so lo- logical and you know when you solve all those complicated calculus questions or you solve uh you know math questions or you pr- do computer science programming it makes you very logical in your thinking which has applications outside of like pure stem so for example when you talk about strategy consulting or problem solving your brain just works it 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 can look at what is important it can eliminate what is not important and it just is uh like <laughs> it's um a fantastic uh you know sort of training ground to sharpen your uh problem solving skills and your quantitative skills and the other thing i feel is really important so like akshita mentioned organic chemistry like what is the point of organic chemistry? uh so so like uh, i mentioned this in last episode uh my grandfather um you know had to go surgery uh last weekend and um you know we we go to the hospital and there's all these medicines and illnesses and this and that and okay fine there's you you can uh, you consult the doctor and they give you all these medicines but to be able to understand some level of you know what it is exactly instead of it just being like voodoo science where you know you just okay the doctor is giving you this and you just blindly follow it to have at least some basic working knowledge of what it is how it works is um i feel really really important uh and you know having that kind of a base is really helpful to kind of make decisions to understand what the doctor is saying to understand uh what is happening and and my third point is uh you know you, you would have seen there are people these days who believe that 5g cellular towers cause the coronavirus or the fact that the earth is flat or the fact that vaccines are not good for like they people literally don't get their kids vaccinated because they believe they're against vaccination even right now with the pandemic and the covid vaccines coming out people are like i'm not going to get vaccinated and the reason why people like this exist in today's day and age is because they would not given a proper stem education if you go through that you'll realize that it does not make sense like you know all of this is so preposterous and out of the world that uh, <laughs> but so all of these are kind of my experiences with stem now i hand it over to katherine who's going to <laughs> really uh. i agree with what you guys have been saying so i'll talk a little bit about my experience so mm-hmm. i came through the ontario education system public school all the way um and i come from a family where the closest thing to science is my mother's um anthropology degree not that that's not complicated or hard and there is definitely some stem involved but it's i kind of i walked out and had a natural enjoyment of science and i could figure out the math and i hated writing essays and so my parents at you know kind of the grade so in canadian 
or in the Ontario education system, uh, you have to take science, like a science credit up until grade 10, and you have to take a math credit until grade 11. And those, like you have to take those. Um, and, you know, there's some choices you can have in terms of what kind of, especially grade 11, what math are you going to take? Um, but you have to do that. Um, and then after grade 11, basically, there's no more science, math for if you choose not to take. So I remember being in kind of the grade 10 range, which is you basically pick the courses in the year before for the next year. So I remember being in grade 10 and kind of having that like a little bit of, oh my God, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Because if you pick, if you don't pick the science courses, then it's a lot harder to get into um, like a science undergrad degree, basically. And so, you know, my parents both knew that I enjoyed my science class because in grade 10, it's just science um, and it's just math. And so, and I enjoyed them. And so my parents were the ones that were really pushing me to kind of make, to continue to take the science courses. Um, and if I ha didn't have that, I don't entirely know where I would have been because really I was like, I think you're like 15 at that age, making that kind of decision. No. And so that's what kind of pushed me. And my parents really played the, you don't like writing essays. There are less essays in science. Like that's how my parents got me into it. I was like, okay. And so I continued that. And then when grade 11 happens, it breaks up into the biology, chemistry, and physics. And then I really started to enjoy it and things kind of started to click. And uh, I decided like, oh no, this sounds like a great idea. And then I kind of continued with a science education and the other thing that I did that's a little abnormal is I actually so in, traditionally high school is four years I felt going to an undergrad degree at 18 I'd be a little immature and I didn't want to blow a year of my parents money because I was very lucky that my parents were paying for my undergrad um, I didn't want to go and blow a year like I felt like it would be bad so I actually did a fifth year in high school and I got luck I got really lucky I got a great co-op placement in an actual research lab. So I actually got to see, because up until that point, science was just memorize facts, regurgitate facts on, on a test. Some kind of applying those facts in kind of a limited way, but mostly just it was, it was a good amount of logical thinking, memorization, and doing well on tests. But then I was in the lab and I actually got to see what science really was. And that opened my eyes and that like it was that experience. It was like, nope, going in, going in and getting a biology degree. And I knew I wanted to go to grad school because undergrad is still that kind of you're still learning the facts. You're learning kind of those critical thinking skills. And then in grad school, that's where you actually get to you know hold the pipettes and do the science and run the experiments. And so that's what kind of led me down this path. And I am forever grateful for the skills that I gained in a STEM education. Because, you know, as you guys both said, there's more to this education side of STEM than just memorizing the facts. However, it's sometimes not done very well, in my opinion. You know, I, I've had some great, you know, I, Brian Toss was my grade 11, my grade 9 and my grade 11 science chemistry teacher. He's amazing. Like, he's still, he's inspiring. And he's one of the reasons that I think I still have a passion for science. But they're not all science teachers are Mr. Toss. And I think the other thing that STEM education, especially in that like early grade nine, 10 space is that it doesn't, you don't actually get, and you're not taught what you can do with a STEM education. Like nobody says to somebody in grade 10, oh, you want to be, you know, you want to solve these kind of problems. You can do that with an engineering degree. You can do that with a computer science degree. You can do that with a chemistry degree. You're not actually told and you're not, you know, students aren't given that power to understand, you know, when you're an engineer, what does that, like, what's, what does an engineer do every day? You know, like I've got a good friend who is my co-founder of a startup. She's an engineer. Um, and she basically went into engineering, not knowing at all what an engineer does, but, you know, was kind of told, oh, you're, you know, you're good in science, you're good in math. You like these kind of problem solving things, go become an engineer. And she was and she did and like didn't, you know, is a, is a successful engineer now. But that I think is one of the issues with STEM education is there's that lack of real world, what can I do with this? And also, at least in my experience, real world, what kind of problems can you actually solve, if that makes sense? That is a little bit of a disconnect. And I think leads to some people going, 
oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, Catherine. In fact, even in like the Indian education, um, because uh, engineering is sort of like the de facto thing to do, uh, people are getting into it, people who have no interest in it, people who have interest in it. Um, and there's this increased demand for that sort of an education, but obviously there are not that many educators to kind of meet that demand. So people who are not that interested in it or who probably are not even competent enough to be teaching, uh, you know, those kind of courses get in. And obviously they don't do a very good job of teaching it. A lot of them would just come in, read out some slides and then, you know, give you some questions to memorize. And obviously when, you know, things are like that, it's going to have, it is going to be counterproductive and it's going to achieve the negative result of dissuading people from ever thinking of taking STEM because for them, STEM is just, you know, memorizing a bunch of boring stuff and, uh, you know, not really doing, I, I mean, I hundred percent agree. Even, even my um, computer science engineering education to some extent was a lot of theory and a lot of, okay, this is what, you know, we've been teaching or learning in the past 30 years. Like, uh, honestly, my, so when my mom did her, did her master's in computer applications in the eighties, uh, one of her professors taught me a subject when I was an undergrad in a completely different university. Can you imagine? And he, at that time was fairly old. And when he was teaching me, he, he had, he had been given super retirement and he'd come back. And I mean, he had a lot of experience, but then when you talk about a subject like computer science, where, you know, you have new things coming in every month or every week or every day, um, someone who's te- like, for example, if someone's teaching you anthropology or history, whatever was being taught in the eighties is probably still valid in 2020, but something like computer science really needs to be updated. Uh, and you know, all of that does not happen. And, and when that does not happen, we, since we are not taught exactly what can be achieved with, uh, you know, using all of these things, um, then again, yes, you're right. It just seems as something necessary, hard, and, you know, not worth getting into. It's just, you know, um, wh- why would you want to get into like physics, for example, when you have to do all these numericals and you have to derive all these weird formulas when memorizing like 10, 15 steps. Whereas what people should actually be taught is, okay, if you learn physics, then you can, you know, get into aerospace research, or you can do this, or you can do that. And, give people a taste of uh, what exactly is. And so I 100% agree with you. It's not it's not just like, you know, people, but also kind of the education. That- mm-hmm. You know, like I remember, so in high school, I also, you know, wanted to save the world. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make the world a better place. Um, gotta love 16 enthusiastic Catherine. And I remember having conversations with guidance counselors, change the world, go into politics. Like, 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 cause like, cause it's government that like, that'll, you can go into government and you can write policy and you can, you know, you can change the world, go into global development, go into, you know, uh, international relations. And I was like, great, but all of those require essay writing, which wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and so, you know, no one actually said, Catherine, you can change the world with a biology degree. And so that's kind of the you know, inkling the underlying fire that kind of got me to start my education startup up for the challenge. And what we do with that is we use a human-centered design thinking approach. So when you're solving a problem, you want to have the people you're actually solving for in the center of your process so that, you know, whatever you come up with at the end is actually useful for them. Crazy, crazy thought. And basically partnering with kind of local community groups that are doing, you know, amazing work and having students kind of try to solve problems for that local community group going through the design thinking process. And then at the end, we step in and highlight, oh, if you want to, you know, create, you know, a good source of food locally for, you know, in your school, you can do that, you know, you can have some STEM involved. And so, you know, we had one kind of challenge where the students designed basically like a hydroponic system in their calf so that they could have, like, so that was their, their salute. There's, their, you know, they wanted fresh food, like fresh vegetables at lunch, but that, you know, involved trucks and this and that. And so their solution was, oh, well, let's, you know, a hydroponic salute, you know, tower in our calf. And then, then, you know, the up 14 can step in and say, okay, hydroponics, where's the, you know, STEM in that? And then kids all of a sudden go, oh, 
you know, we want to build that, you know, we need to have some mechanical engineering skills so that in grow, we need to have some, you know, some bio, you know, knowledge so that we know how things can grow. And, you know, we need to have a computer system that knows when to turn the water on and when to turn the water off on the weekend so that, you know, everything is still fresh all the time. And all of a sudden you see that light switch of, oh, I, so, you know, I need to learn that information. I need to know those facts, but at least then I can do something with those facts later. And that I think is, in my opinion, is where, is partially where the education system fails is that it doesn't say, oh no, if you want to, you know, solve a food desert, which is something that in Toronto and Ottawa is a very serious issue. You can do that, not just with policy, but with STEM, you know, maybe we'll get some more people in STEM, you know, people that, you know, like me wanted to save the world, but didn't have their parents saying, go into STEM, because <laughs> that's what saved me. I completely agree, Catherine. So, I mean, um, this entire point, I think that you were mentioning about uh, having it in middle school. And as you said, um, a lot of people don't have someone coming and telling you that go into STEM, this is the future. This is where, this is what you can do with a STEM education. And I think that's very important because middle school, that, that sixth to eighth grade is a time where you were, you're basically a 15 year old kid, like you're what, 13, 15, and you you're not expected to know what you want to do with life as well. And that's the time where when you have subjects like mathematics, technology, science, the different kinds of sciences, at least you're exposed to the opportunities that are there in the future. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, you will never know what, what can you do. Now, if I'm in sixth grade and I'm exposed to biology, physics, chemistry, math, and computer science, I will at least know that, okay, I hate physics. So this is something I don't want to do, but chemistry is something that I'm very interested in. And this is something that I can think of in the future. And then when I'm told about the different opportunities and the different things that I can do going forward in chemistry, the practical applications of it, as you said, uh, if I'm interested in uh, organic chemistry, inorganic chemistry, if I had a teacher like Walter White, Breaking Bad uh, reference guys, (laughs) maybe I would want to, I mean, I think it all depends. The first thing what it is, is you get exposed to the opportunities available. And then when you're when you know what you can do with it, it gets you more excited to actually make that contribution, as you said, to the to changing the world or just just making a small impact in your own mental space as well. Like if I if I want to learn how to code, I would be happy to do that. Um, it doesn't even matter about changing the world. It's about just something that you're interested in. So I think that's why it's so important, it, it, especially in that middle school age because that's a time where you don't know what you want to do and there's a time where you start thinking of the prospects going forward and when you see what is available you'll at least know what you like and don't like that's my take on it yeah and the other thing is is when you think about you know that you know 13 to 15 range and the not like the number of careers you're exposed to like you're you're exposed to the standard ones you know teacher doctor nurse But beyond that, and then, you know, whatever your parents might do. So I had, my dad was a lawyer, my mom was a teacher. So in terms of career options in STEM, I didn't really have any experience. Like, you couldn't tell me, like, I couldn't tell you at 16 what a scientist did. Correct. I think that's, that's something which we all face, correct? We we don't know what, what is there except for what we see around us. And at that age, we are not exposed to so many uh, different ways, as you said, a scientist. Yeah. Yeah. And so going in and like reminding, you know, having some component in the STEM world of like, okay, this is what it actually means. Like I remember in second year, so my second year, I think genetics class, what we would learn, you know, again, still, you know, kind of from a historical perspective where we were genetics and where we're moving forward. And one thing the prof did is every Friday, he would talk about current research about what we were learning. So even though we were learning concepts back from, you know, the eighties and that sort of thing, he would then tie in like a really recent publication and saying like, we're still talking about this in this way. And again, it's showing that you know, practicality side of things that, you know, reinforces, you know, the why of, of learning those facts and the why of learning how to apply those facts in certain situations that I think is really key. And, you know, we kind of forget that kids 13 to 15, they're, they're smart. 
like, you know, they, you know, have a feeling, or at least I did, that like I was being told what to do and never told why. You know, I was told you have to take this kind of class, you have to take this kind of class, you have to take this kind of class. But no one actually said, and with that education, you can do this. Or with that education, this is how it fits in to the grants. And I think that's also one of the reasons why, you know, kids maybe don't choose STEM, especially if you're not great at the memorizing stuff, which is, you know, I understand it's a struggle. I'm that student that has to write, like I, in math class, I used to have to do the math problems like four times for me to fully understand what I was doing. And I would do it without a problem because I'm a nerd. <laughs> but if you, if you don't, if you don't have that same nerdiness, it's a struggle. And if you go, why the hell am I, you know, struggling with this thing? that I can't use anywhere else, of course you're going to leave it. You're just going to think, what's the point? Yeah, why? And we don't tell, like, we don't, you know, I think sometimes some teachers will say, oh, like, like you said, like, STEM is the future. And then you go, how? And they go, it's the future. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we need, we need to know the logic behind the why is it the future more than just a statement saying it is the future. Yeah. And I think once you start knowing um, the why which we discussed is knowing opportunities knowing what we can do with it you you any human will either get excited about the fact or they will just know at least they will know have the knowledge of what this particular degree or this particular subject can do in the future so yeah I think I completely agree with you Catherine. yeah no it's it's you know I it, it you know why learn this and like you said it's just you know and everybody has a different why but you have to explain that and yeah. You know, I think having that conversation in a classroom of like, here's what you like, here's the kind of problems you can solve in STEM that aren't just, you know, this math equation would really help, I think, biasly speaking, inspire people to actually consider STEM that maybe wouldn't have before. And then, you know, I'm biased because the more people that consider STEM, the especially people who, you know, are maybe, you know, more artsy, better with the literature and the writing stuff, that their experiences will just make STEM and science better. So of course I want them to be here. I want them to be part of our club. <laughs> yeah, even even if let's say someone is interested in politics, but they also have a background in STEM, I feel the policy making would really benefit from them having a much better understanding of the way the world works rather than either relying on advisors or some and unlike and mostly politicians have a fairly large ego, so they don't listen to anyone. Their view of the world is how it actually is. So, um, so from that respect, also I feel you know, yeah. it. Angela Merkel, you know, the prime minister of Germany, she's got a PhD in analytical chemistry, and she's arguably one of the best world leaders we've seen in a long time. Like, thank God she's leading the EU, basically. So it, you know, you can, having a STEM education is again, bias. Like I'm the person that walks around with DNA, like tattooed down her back. I love it so much, but STEM really does give you skills that you can then take into a different environment. You know, that like you, you guys both mentioned the logic, the critical thinking, like that just, they don't flat out tell you that that's what they're doing when they, you go through a chemistry class, but that really is you know, the, the underpinning of it all. And you can take those skills and then walk into, you know, a, you know, a, you know, banking and say, okay, let's see what we can do here. Cause you have that ability to think logically. And you got, you know, you both said strip away the noise. Cause there's always a lot of it and get down to the meat of the problem. And when you have that meat, you can then actually solve the problem as instead of looking at the fluff and being with all of that. You drill down and say, what do we actually need to do? What are we trying to accomplish? But again, that's not explained in, at least in the Canadian system, in grade 10 or the Ontario system. Yeah, I think uh, it's pretty much the same. And Indian education system, there's a lot of memorizing irrespective of whatever subject you choose. In fact, science and technology is where it's a little bit less because even if you don't remember some stuff, you can at least use logic to get to it. Whereas with like history, for example, I would never <laughs> be able to get to why someone went, decided to go attack someone else or find, remember the names of people and all that sort of, um, yeah. It's interesting because it, I think that part is a little flipped. So in my undergrad, I had to take one arts course. And so I took politics mostly to piss off my dad because he was a politics major and he was like, don't do anything else. And so I took my one politics class. And so the, it was a full year course. 
So the first year was taught by um, this professor whose name I will never remember. And he kind of ran it like a graduate student seminar. So there was a lot of like talking with the students and, you know, so there wasn't a lot of like the classic um, like lecture style and coming from the same, I never experienced that. I had no idea what was going on. And I remember really struggling because I felt like I wasn't actually learning anything because it'd just be people talking about their opinions. And it drove me absolutely crazy. And I like tried my best. I think I got my like my A minus. And, and then we had the second half of the course, which was taught by a different professor. And evidently we were supposed to learn like certain like just political like political theory in the first half that never happened. So she was like basically like, what did you? And so she redid everything. And all of her tests were basically multiple choice on political theory. And, you know, some, you know, which political theorists said this and some application questions, but mostly multiple choice. I rocked it because <laughs> I could memorize all of this stuff because it was just, it was second nature to me. And a lot of the people in my class who had, you know, stopped taking kind of more memorization classes and having more of the classes where you could write enough to get, you know, to say it, to write enough, to say enough, to get it get marks had no idea how to do this and it was fantastic so that's one of the differences I think is in the Ontario system that at least I went through there is still a fairly large amount of it memorize and apply in this context which is great when you you know need to memorize stuff and that's one of the things you're good at but if you're not it's gonna suck and if you don't and again I feel like I'm repeating myself but if you don't understand what you can do with that and you hate it why do it of course, you're going to stop taking science in grade 10. You can take, you know, an interesting history course and not have to memorize too much. Um, so I guess uh, we should uh, begin to wrap up. Uh, Catherine, do you, is there anything else you would like to add to the discussion? You know, again, like I want to be as upfront about my biases as humanly possible. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, knowing them, you know, that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell isn't going to help you do your taxes. But, you know, hopefully the process of learning that little factoid, A, will win you some points at a trivia night at some point in your life. <laughs> but also, you know, allow you to look at information critically. You know, I think I love the internet. I love it. But I think one of the issues that has come from the internet is it's allowed for a lot more of misinformation to be connected and then expelled. And so, you know, before to hear a conspiracy theorist, you'd have, you know, before the internet, you'd have to go out of your way to look for them because conspiracy theories have always existed, probably for all of humanity. But before you'd have to, you know, it would be a little bit more niche, it'd be harder to find, you'd have to look for it, you know, because the way that information was delivered was somewhat filtered via pub, like book, book publications, newspapers. So there was some amount of information vetting that would prevent, you know, the crazy conspiracy theories a la, you know, Bill Gates is trying to give us all microchips through the, you know, coronavirus vaccine that like would never make it through the filtration system of information. But now that the internet exists, it allows for that. And so I kind of hope that, you know, that's maybe one thing that STEM education can do is helping give people the tools to look at information critically and say, is it valid? And say, you know, yes, one source is saying this, but what are other sources saying? What are other, you know, what are other newspapers saying? What are other scientists saying? And, you know, be able to look at that, take that step back and look at the brighter, the wider picture to try to make informed, the best informed decisions that they can, as opposed to just reading what somebody posted on a, you know, on a forum. Hopefully. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think um, as you said, the internet, it has so much information that sometimes you don't know what's true, what's not. But when you're taught all of these basic foundational aspects when you're growing up, you at least can make sense out of a few things rather than just blindly ex accepting things that are told to you. So yeah, I think in a way, even knowing mitochondria is a powerhouse of a cell will definitely come into picture one day when, as we say, anti-vaxxers, we see, uh, as Anak said, flat earthers. They... I started on flat earthers. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, maybe, again, 
bias. But when I see the like the the classic picture from you know the astronaut from the ISS and being like, this is what the world like. Here's the world today. You looking at that kind of picture and that magnificentness is the Earth and going no Photoshop. <laughs> no, it's flat. <laughs> we never landed on the moon. <laughs> you know, like I look at that and I go like, there's you know with the anti-vaccine stuff there is like I, I look at that as not just a STEM education problem because there's a lot of other kind of systematic racism in there that kind of leads to certain individuals being hesitant. Healthcare has been pretty shitty to a lot of people especially in Canada and especially in people that don't look like me and sound like me and have my life experiences. So I can I can see where there is some kind of legitimate yeah. disconnect and, and, and fear and uncomfortableness because of the racism that exists in healthcare. But when it comes to like the flat earth, that's the one that like, <laughs> wow. Really annoying. I could see, I could see you struggling to emote what you feel right now. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, it's like, it's so beautiful and so awe-inspiring. And you think that that's okay. Okay. <laughs> like that's one that really just, it really infuriates me just for that one reason. I agree, yeah. <laughs> so Anak, would you like to summarize all the beautiful pointers that Catherine mentioned today about STEM education and how we have gotten about it and why it's so important? Uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, I've been so, uh, for the first time, I've been so um, uh, floored by the discussion that uh, I haven't been making notes uh, so <laughs> I might forget a few things. Please uh, feel free to add uh, in. So we, I mean, started off the discussion by talking about our own experiences of why we kind of fell into uh, the STEM um, curriculum. And uh, one of the key things was that, you know, we weren't all, um, we, it, it wasn't, I mean, this is a problem with the education system. All three of us did not get into STEM because you know, we were very interested in what we could achieve with it. There were other factors that kind of pushed us into it. For example, with Catherine not wanting to do essays or for me and Akshita <laughs> kind of getting into engineering because that's kind of the de facto thing to do in the Indian education. But then moving forward, we discussed about, you know, how it gives you a better understanding of the world, how it kind of develops your logical, critical thinking skills, which has applications outside of STEM as well. And yes. and um, and then moving forward, uh, Kasim talked about how um, it, like this is also a problem of the kind of education that is offered. It's very rote learning based. You memorize and you regurgitate, which is obviously not very exciting or interesting to people. And that is why they don't end up choosing a, a career in STEM. And and then also because people don't focus so much on kind of like the STEM education, their understanding of the world is very flawed and you get world leaders who make all sorts of weird uh, statements. Um, like this is kind of unrelated, but again, when I was working for that investment bank, I used to follow the news on weed legalization in the US because we were looking to onboard a few um, cannabis companies in the US. And although I have no interest in, in that field, I used to follow the news quite extensively. And all these politicians would make these uh, sweeping statements about how addictive it is and all, all sorts of things, which uh, in my opinion, if they took some time to kind of understand how it works and what happens, and this is a very niche example, but what I'm saying is understanding of STEM has a material impact on the kind of policies that are made, whether with in terms of climate change, uh, in terms of, you know, what you choose to invest your dollars. Basically, you can make more informed decisions based on, if you know, correct. If you know it, you can make more informed policies, decisions, statements based on Ex it, correct. Exactly. And your priorities can probably be more right uh, when you realize what is important. Yeah, so that's, if, if there's anything else I missed out. I just want to, like, tie in that, you know, coronavirus is nasty, but we have to deal with climate change. Like that, like that, that is, and, and the two are connected. <laughs> And climate change science is, it's not very, to be honest, it's, in, it's not very complicated in that we need to do something about it. But if you have no concept of how to look at the information being presented, you're not gonna be able to do correct public policy. And then, you know, we're, this is not a 
this will be dealt with in, you know, a hundred years. It's, oh no, we have basically our collective lifetime to deal with this. Rude. (laughs) (laughs) And we, I, you know, I really do hope that a good STEM education will be a prerequisite for, you know, government policy writers to help address this. Fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think, yeah, I think that that was a very uh, good summary, Anag, right from memory. I could never. <laughs> yeah, so, so you can, told them I think we can wrap. Rote, rote learning. That rote learning. Through yeah. <laughs> kind of. Coming through the, here, yeah. The, okay. Okay, so let's move on to something a little more um, light in terms. Um, so it's time for the closing segment. It's a funny or insightful incident of the week. Uh, while you ladies think one, I'll I'll go ahead with mine. So um, me and my sister um, have a habit of you know giving each other all sorts of nicknames and inside jokes, and uh, we manifest that in like the name we have each other's numbers saved as in our phones. So most recently, uh, we had an inside joke about Family Guy where I was Stewie Griffin and she was Rupert Griffin. So I changed her number to Rupert Griffin and. Then I sent, and the thing is, this is synced with my email contact list. So then I sent out an email to our tax consultant where I CC'd the entire family and I CC'd my sister as well. So (laughs) Rupert Griffin showed up as like a person being CC'd and then my tax consultant called up my dad. He's like, have you, have you been uh, doing some sort of international transactions? Have you like hired someone internationally who is Rupert Griffin? So I had to (laughs) go through the embarrassing explanation of why and who Rupert Griffin is. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of my incident of the week. Um, Nice. That's funny. That's quite funny. (laughs) Catherine. Oh, yeah. Do you have anything? Yeah. I was about to say, nothing that kind of tops that. I, I'm not sure if this is, this is going to count or not, but one of the, I have many bosses in my job, but one of my bosses is a, a 95-year-old retired orthopedic surgeon who still comes and runs research projects. His name is Dr. Utah. He is my idol. And I want to be like him. Hopefully I'll be, you know, a hundredth of the kind of human that he is. But I finally, I've been working with him on a project and I've been very slow because he's been very busy at work. And I finally got like a package, a science package of him to him that he needs to do kind of the next step of analysis because he's 95 and he's still doing science. And I finally got that to him this weekend. And it's just been the most relieving thing because I've been thinking about this for months and it's now done and it was just a great feeling and I remember sitting in the car after delivering the package and just like breathing this sigh of relief out and being, I can now <laughs> enjoy my weekend <laughs> again not quite at that's the level so nice. of amazing nicknames with siblings but that's my <laughs> no it's still quite yeah the sigh of relief that you just yeah. showed was yeah <laughs> I I don't think I have anything as you said nothing that can top up Anag's fun story that was actually quite funny <laughs> really funny like I, I if I was your tax consultant I'd just be like who are these people <laughs> and why are they making my job so much more difficult <laughs> have to now go and figure out who Rupert Grint, uh, Griffin is now I just said Rupert Grint because of Harry Potter well anyway <laughs> I don't really have any insightful funny thing. I mentioned in the last episode that I'm going surfing um, for the first time in the next few weeks. And so me and my friend are very excited about it. So I'm going with another uh, girl. And um, we are planning to do very millennial Gen Z things of making a reel, an Instagram reel together, (laughs) a TikTok or a reel. So I don't know if you have watched this. There's one, um, there's one trend which is going on where people sneeze into their uh, elbows, uh, depicting the coronavirus, and then they just pop up and they take those uh, alcohol miniatures 
uh, and on basically there's like a vacation background or there's something going on in the background so we're planning to do that hopefully on a surfboard in on the beach someday so we have we have taken the, we have been practicing the first part of it and already taken those videos and fingers crossed we are alive enough and not too bruised and broken after the surfing sessions to do this the second part of it that is exciting akshita uh, we'll when when it's out when that reel is out we'll we'll link it for everyone to see oh, embarrassment <laughs> max <laughs> so all our viewers will be like oh no this girl is doing fun thing <laughs> Oh, I love uh, it. You know, I'm I'm now at that age where I no longer quite understand the trends on like TikTok and stuff, but like I know that it's important. So I like I'm envisioning that like, you know, post MBA if I'm ever in in a business and I'm like I don't understand what TikTok is or whatever the replacement of TikTok is when two years from now. I don't know what it is, but just do it. Just we need it done <laughs> where I'm at when it comes to most social media things. Yeah, that that is very true, Catherine. I I feel like that's that's how you get to know that you're getting old when there's a generation younger to you and they're doing things which you don't understand why they're doing. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Good luck. Enjoy. Have fun. Don't hurt yourself too badly is usually how I look at a lot of the like TikTok trends. They're hilarious. Yes, I I don't I honestly don't understand how people come up with such such random whack completely um uh, interesting sometimes such such random things and i'm like give me that creativity i also want to start a trend which goes viral <laughs> but tiktok is i mean it gets a lot of flack but i've started really enjoying it so in fact uh, since i came to india from the uk my phone is still configured as being a uk phone so i have access to tiktok oh you although, have tiktok uh, yeah tiktok banned uh, in india banned uh-huh. in india but i spend like if if i for some reason decide to open tiktok i'll be lost for like an hour just going into the depths of this tiktok is quite i enjoy true so actually <laughs> yeah it's quite true so uh initially even i was very averse to tiktok and i'm like uh what is it is just videos and sometimes they're very cringy videos or it's just yeah but then a lot of my friends spend hours and hours straight like 3 to 4 hours in gross and then there's like different domains of tiktok of like if you're someone who's into organization or like just cleanliness or just there's like an entire space for it you can watch different kinds of videos is for it so it's quite interesting to see i think anna we have a we have a very interesting topic for mm-hmm. one of our next podcast about tiktok <laughs> yes yes 100% okay so i think um that that wraps up today's episode thank you katrin for gracing us with your presence and for this excellent conversation that we had today um thank you everyone for listening to our conversation don't forget to follow us on instagram um it's called the y coordinate and uh, and uh, yeah we we've now has decided on like a release schedule so we're going to release new episodes every week on saturdays 9 am eastern 7:30 pm indian standard time if we don't release an episode at that point of time feel free to shoot us an email and um ask us why we are prob- <laughs> making the same family joke again it probably be my mom asking hey where's the video this week <laughs> um yeah so i guess uh, that's it uh, thank you guys catch you in the next one uh katrin how is your experience being on a podcast uh, that was so cool i've never like i i am an avid podcaster love them nice. um, yeah they're fantastic when you have mine num- like point like there's a fair bit of my job that's like looking and like counting and so like you just click 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 and podcasts are great so um it this was a lot of fun you guys asked me interesting questions i like the natural flow that like the two of you have so it didn't feel like an awkward anything like i don't know um if you w- listen to it all i need to pull up it but it's probably my favorite podcast and you two have a very similar um vibe yay i'm so happy high five akshita yes <laughs> it's it's my favorite podcast it's you're wrong about podcast that basically what they do is they take like pop culture esh events that happened in like the <clears throat> 80s 90s and like early 2000s so the stuff that like the hosts are probably around our age so the hosts that, like mm-hmm. they lived through but weren't quite aware of what was fully going on 
Mm-hmm. And so they kind of go back and look at it and actually like deconstruct things in a, like with a bit more of like a feminist spin and kind of the actual interest issues. And so it's hosted by two individuals who have this great rapport with each other. And you two have a similar rapport, which is, and one of the reasons I like it is because it kind of feels like I'm listening in on two friends talking. And it's, a, so it's a little bit like, gossipy because my I don't know if I'm friends with them but like I feel like I'm friends with them. <laughs> and so you guys have a similar vibe which I think is a is really important in the podcast world because at least for me that's what dictates what I will or will not because I've had some that are just like it feels like oh they're just people that are awkwardly interviewing somebody mm-hmm. and I just so no I really like the vibe you two have I think that's biased Thank you so Thanks much Catherine. so that's... much Catherine. <laughs> I know that's the sweetest I'm just so happy like you <laughs> Yeah. it's actually quite a very valid uh, like the report that the two people in a podcast have is very important as you said it, if it's awkward and if it's just broken bits and pieces of conversation then it gets very difficult to follow and hopefully we are doing justice to that fun interactive conversation part of a podcast hopefully I'm not again I'm biased, but like, I think you are. I look forward to like listening to them. Uh, we'd be <laughs> very happy if you do that so that yes. uh, <laughs> uh, someone apart from our moms uh, actually ends up listening. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's a running joke between me and Anak that, oh, fine, we got, I got two family members today to listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll like, I'll send it to my parents and then that'll be like another two and then I'll get my yes. sister just had a baby. Probably oh. like needs entertainment, and I'll like so that's three. Thank you, that'll be absolutely so fantastic. Much. That's like a 33% increase. <laughs> uh, lovely, all right. Thank you, nice. uh, Catherine, once again. Catherine, um, really, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really so interesting. There were so many things that I didn't know about stuff that I learned from you. So, thank you so much for that. I just like to be able to share my knowledge. And also, if you guys ever need my Zoom, like Zoom account, let me know. I'm more than happy. Like I, I have to pay for this thing for work. I might as well <laughs> let as many people as possible. <laughs> 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 I can- sure, sure. We'll let you know. Yeah. yeah. I've definitely done the meetings at like after 40 minutes, you have to go and reload. It's really frustrating. So <laughs> yeah, I think the last meeting, like most of the meetings we've had to... Uh, end it and then restart the meeting and yeah Anag has to go through a lot of pain to edit it and get it together <laughs> into one podcast uh, so let me standing offer yes if you guys um, ever thank you so much sure <laughs> thank you so much Catherine all right I'm going to stop recording now uh yes. thank you Catherine once again and catch you guys next week